Oh man, it feels so good to be here uh, this morning. If this is your first time here, my name is John. Uh, I get this amazing opportunity to lead uh, this community that we call Discovery. And uh, today we are on week five of our series, Savage Habits, Savage Habits. And uh, one person's excited. Yeah, so that's, that's always amazing, huh? Like, uh, uh, but before we jump into the message, uh, I just want to, like, we honor as part of our core value here. I just want to honor this couple that, like, they serve the house. They're, they're so amazing in this house. And they just got married. Hello. And so could we just honor Carmen and Nick and... Come on. It's so amazing. I love marriage. I love being married. No amens on that one either. We're going to keep moving. <laughs> Husbands, if you were smart, you'd have been like, amen, right? But like, no, nah, y'all were quiet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll pray for you. Um, but uh, so we are in week five of this journey, Savage Habits. And, um, and so, uh, week one, we talked about value the now, like there's something about living in the now, right? And so we want to honor the past, look forward to the future, but we want to honor uh, the now. We want to live in the now. Week two was we got to renew our mind. Week three, does anyone know? For a free shirt. Who said renew your mind? Okay, well, I believe you. Just go to the church after church, and, and you can get one of those shirts. Uh, week number four, gain the correct perspective. And then week five, we're going to read the verse, and then I'll tell you what week five's habit is. Can I get a little less juice on this bad boy, please? Uh, so Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. I also, while you're getting there, on your phone or in your paper Bible. I just want to honor Janice for bringing the word last week. And thank you, Janice. It's always comforting when she brings the word because I know she's going to bring it. And so um, thank you for that, Jay. Uh, Acts chapter 3, here it is. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us, the lame man. That's, that's kind of the lame man. The lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money, verse 6. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Get up and walk. Hey, if you're taking notes, habit number five, final habit of our series. Simple this, simply this, two words, get up. Get up. Come on, turn to your neighbor, tell him, get up. Turn to your second choice. Tell him, get up. Get up. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for what you're already doing in this place. God, we thank you um, for, for this opportunity that we have to be able to gather in-house as a, as a community to, to seek your face. And so, Father, I pray right now that, Holy Spirit, that you would just do what you only you can do. 
that you would, that you would speak to our mind, you would speak to our hearts. We want to leave here changed, not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We thank you for that. And God, I also want to pray for the Niners. At, hey, hey, we're, we're praying, we're praying, we're praying. I want, to, <laughs> I want to pray for the Niners, God. Help, help the rookie quarterback. In Jesus' name, come on. Amen. Amen. Because he's going to need it. Um, hey, how many firstborns are in the house? Firstborns. Come on, raise it proud. Wave it. Yeah, firstborns. I love first. I'm a firstborn. Here's what I've noticed about firstborns. Firstborns are, they're a little drama though. Right? Like I can say that because I'm a firstborn. But we drama. We just are. Like we, I don't, I don't mean, we don't mean to be. So if you're not a firstborn, we apologize. Uh, it's just, it's just kind of in our genetic makeup. It is. That's science, guys. Just chill, okay? Like, <laughs> like it's like we just, we, we just, we're, we're drama. I'm drama. I'm firstborn. I'm drama. Like, uh, shut up. I'm drama. <laughs> I'm drama. But so, so, but it's amazing because not only am I drama, like my firstborn is drama. He, oh, he's drama. For instance, about five weeks ago, my little boy, my firstborn, he was working out, getting his, like, getting his muscles right at the age of 10. He was like, and he has dumbbells in his hand. And as he's going like this, he misses the dumbbell and he nails his finger, his middle finger. And uh, it just starts bleeding, okay? And it's like, and I'm not there. My wife had to deal with this, thank God. Uh, but like he's like screaming, he's like he's he's just in so much pain, and he's like I can't move it. I think I broke it. My wife is like freaking out. She doesn't know what to do, and and so like I don't know what to do, and I'm just assuming because he's firstborn, he's just drama, right? And so so he's like screaming, and and we get home. My wife like puts a band aid on it or something, and but like it needs more than a band aid. Like this thing is like mangled, okay? And and uh, I get home, and my son, like, my wife's like, baby, he just stopped crying, like, 15 minutes ago. And the injury happened, like, five hours ago, you know, like, and, and so uh, she's like, he's just, he's just been crying. And I was like, come here, come here, buddy. I was like, couldn't you move? And he's like, no, I can't move it. I was like, try to move it. So he tries to move it. He's like, ah! Like, he can't move it. He just screams, and it's painful, right? And he, he, he tries to move it. I'm like, try to move it. And he tries to move it. He, I can't do it. It hurts so much. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's just put a splint on there, okay? So we didn't have any splints, so we found a popsicle stick and some duct tape. And, we're just, <laughs> and we're just, we just, like, we do our best, right? We do our best. And, um, and so a couple days go by, and we're like, hey, Eli, how, how, is, how is your finger? And I was like, couldn't you move it? And he's like, ah. And so he tries to move it, and he can't move it because it's too painful. Like, he just begins to tear. At this point, his finger is now black and blue. His nail, like, you know that bad boy's about to fall off, like, any day now. And, uh, and so, like, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just there. It's there. And, and we're like, oh, my gosh, can you move it? He's like, no, I can't move it. So we kept it in the splint for, like, a week, okay? Um, we called the doctor, and we are like, hey, should we do an x-ray? She's like, yeah, we'll schedule an x-ray. Um, thinking about it, we forgot to take him the x-ray. Like, I think we missed. Anyways, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just thinking about that right now. Um, and, and so, like, so like a, 
<laughs> so a week goes by, right? And uh, we're like, Eli, can you move your foot? And he's like, no, I can't move it. And so we're like, he had the splints on like for a week straight. And so I said, hey, E, when you go to bed, man, I think you should take the splint off so your finger can breathe. Like it's just, it needs to, just needs to breathe. And he's like, okay. So he falls asleep. And when he falls asleep, he falls asleep like this. Okay. Cause he doesn't want to bend his finger cause it hurts too much. So I go, I tuck him in. Um, and then when he's asleep, I, I check up on him before I go to bed. And what I see, it just blows my mind. Ladies and gentlemen, his hand goes from this to nice fist as he's sleeping. Now, yeah, so my reaction was a little like what you just saw. You liar, right? Like, I was like, man, he lied to me. I feel betrayed. See, the firstborn drama, right? I was like, man, I feel so betrayed and so so mad at him. And and then I had to stop, and I and I realized, like, I, I was like, what if he wasn't lying to me? And then, I, and then I began to think, like, maybe he wasn't lying to me. Maybe he actually thought that he couldn't move his finger. And then I began to think, maybe because he, he, ha- he had his, this splint on and, like, it was painful to move at the beginning, maybe he, he, because of the pain he associated when he tried to move it in the past, it prevented him from wanting to try it again. And then I begin thinking about life. And I begin to wonder, like, isn't that, like, if we're honest, isn't that how life works sometimes? Let me explain. Because some of you guys are like, what? (laughs) Like, there's some times in life when we experience heartbreaks, hardships, disappointments. We experience them for so long and it happens so much that if we're not careful, like we allow our, 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 our disappointments, our frustrations to affect what we expect. Have you ever thought of that? Like, like when I experience something for so long, like when I, when I experience one bad relationship after the next bad relationship, after the next bad relationship, pretty much I'm going to be like, man, I'm just, just destined for bad relationships. If you experience a hardship for so long and, and just painful moments for so long, pretty much that begins to affect what you expect. And, and I was thinking, like, that, that's, like, what my son was experiencing. Like, he couldn't move his, like, he didn't think he could move his finger because he thought it was going to be too painful. And I wonder how many of us, because we've experienced something so much for so long, that we've just begun to accept where we're at. I actually think that's what's taking place in the story that we read in Acts chapter 3. See, here's this guy, uh, Peter and John. They, they're, they're walking into the temple. This is a scripture that we just read. They're walking into the temple, and, uh, and as they're about to enter the temple, there's this crippled man. That the scripture calls him a lame man. I, just, I kind of feel bad for calling him lame. Um, but so, like, there's this crippled dude at the gate. Scripture, like, he has not been able to move his legs since birth from waist down. He just can't move. 
So like he knows nothing different. And here he is, he's sitting at the, at, the, at the entrance of the gate. Peter and John, they walk past him. And as they're about to walk past him, the guy extends his hand and is like, can I have some money? And I begin thinking about that. Like, it's so bizarre to me that he asks this guy for money. Remember, he's crippled. Okay, so let's pause. Let's just remember that. So in order for you to really understand the bizarreness of, of how I feel when I read this text, like you have to understand who Peter and John are. See, Peter and John, uh, they're part of the apostles. Jesus left. He sent the Holy Spirit. And like all of a sudden, these 12 apostles, they're like, they're out doing things, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says that, that the apostles... They uh, performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So, so these apostles, including Peter and John, they would be going around town praying for sick people and they're healed. They, they were going around town. They were praying for people and like miracles were happening. In Acts chapter 2, a little bit before that, this, the Peter, the guy that's walking into the temple, uh, he, he preached this message about repentance in Jesus, and Scripture says in Acts chapter 2 that over 3,000 people like repented and came to faith. That's amazing. We read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 that the Lord added to the church daily. And now here's why I'm telling you this, because there was some time that had to have passed between Acts chapter 2 and what we read in Acts chapter 3. And not only did time pass, but Peter and John, they would have been recognizable figures in that city. They kind of would have been like a big deal. They, they, they kind of would have been like people, when, when they're walking through the town, they're like, is that Peter? Oh, Peter's there. Is that John? Oh. Like they were recognizable figures. I would... I would 99.9999% almost guarantee that this crippled man would have heard about Peter and John. I 99.999% I, I would almost guarantee that this crippled man would have heard of Jesus' apostles. He would have heard that they were going around healing the sick, praying for people, and they're healed. Now, Back to Peter and John. They're walking into the temple. The crippled man's there. Here's Peter and John. If I'm the crippled man, and if I'm recognizing who these people are, you better believe I'm asking for something other than money. And yet, he extends his hand, and he asks for gold, for silver. He asks for money. Is that bizarre? Or is that just me? Like, that is so bizarre to me. Like, crippled man, you have your opportunity. Crippled man, like the people that could pray for you through the working of the Holy Spirit, healing could have happened. Why are you asking for money? Like, this is your opportunity for healing. And what we see in this moment, I believe, is that the, his deformity, 
has affected once what he once expected. And now he's accepted where he's at. I'll say that again. His deformity affected what, what he once expected. Let me ask you this. What have you once expected? But because it didn't happen because of things that have happened in the past, like, I wonder, have you accepted where you're at? So this guy's, thank you. So this guy's request, I think, wasn't necessarily about money. But I think like money was his second, was a second thing that he was really wanting. I actually think he asked for money because he lost hope in the situation that he wanted for so long. And so Peter and John, they walk in, or they walk through the through the temple, and here's this guy. He's like, Do I have any money? Do you have any money? Has anyone here this morning, can you relate to this cripple guy? Now, maybe not like, not like the fact that you've been crippled from birth, but I wonder if you can relate to this, this, this idea of just losing hope in your situation, losing hope in that relationship, losing hope in, in that schooling, losing hope in that job, losing hope in that restoration of family. I wonder if anyone here this morning, like they just accepted where they're at. And that's all they know. Now they, they just become like, this is what I expect right now. Because this is all I know. This has happened for so long. But I'm so glad that God doesn't just give me doesn't just know what I want, but he understands what I need. And so while this guy, this crippled man was like, I lost hope. I've been like this for my entire life. Let me just get some money, man. Peter was like, hey, I don't have any money for you, but what I do have, I want to give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus, he said, get up and walk. Get up and walk. Can I propose to you that the greatest gift that God has ever given to humanity besides Jesus Christ, because that's the ultimate number one gift. But besides that, the greatest gift that God has ever given us, given to humanity, is not a new job, is not more finances, is not, is not a better car or a better spouse or a better spouse what where are we going with this um is <laughs> it, not like it's not more money is not material but can i propose to you that the greatest thing that god has ever given you is the ability to get up is the ability to infuse hope into the situation that you've lost hope in like he's given you hope and here's this crippled man. I just want money, man. I just want money. So glad that God knows what I want and what I need. 
Listen, if you're here this morning and you would identify as a Jesus follower, as a Christian, you need to understand that you were not created to stay on the ground. There is nothing in your spiritual DNA that allows you to be defeated. There is nothing inside of you. If you are here and, you, and, and you've made a decision to follow Christ, like there is nothing in your inheritance, spiritual inheritance, that allows you to stay on the ground. In fact, we read in Proverbs chapter 24, uh, the author says this, for though a righteous man may fall seven times, he still gets up. Now, here's what we need to understand, that you and I, that like the righteous man, like we, Jesus is what makes us righteous. Like I am not right because of my good deeds. I'm not right because like whatever, because I'm nice to my wife. Like that doesn't make me righteous. What makes me righteous is when I surrender my life to Jesus and he comes, Holy Spirit comes, fills me. Like, that's what makes me righteous. So, this verse, if you made a decision to follow Christ, he has made you right. You are in right standing with God the Father. And if you are in right standing with God the Father, the righteous man may fall seven times, but he still gets up. Come on, let me hear you say, get up. Like, you were created to get up. And that hard situation at work when your coworker is bugging you and you can't stand him and you want to quit because it's not fair treatment. You weren't made to sit and soak. You were made to get up. Hopefully that wasn't too harsh. I felt like I came out a little harsher than what, than what I meant. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. So here's what I want to do in our remaining time together. I want to give you three ingredients to getting up. Three ingredients to getting up. Are you guys getting something out of this this morning? Three ingredients to getting up. We're going to read Acts chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 7. It says this. Then Peter took the lame man by the hand and helped him up. And as he did, this man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. By the way, this is not in my notes, but... Uh, here at Discovery, we still believe in signs and wonders. Uh, we, we believe that, that God still heals through the working of the Holy Spirit. And, and so what we read in Scripture, we believe that it didn't end with the apostles, but like he could still do it today. Come on, somebody. And, and so that's not in my notes. So stay with me. You, you're, stay with me. Three ingredients to getting up. The first one, number one, is this. I need the right people surrounding me. I need the right people surrounding me. So notice in, in the text, notice in the text that it was uh, Peter who extended the hand out to the crippled man. It was Peter that extended his hand out to help this guy up. Do you have a Peter in your life? Like we all need a Peter in our life. We need someone that when we're on the ground, like, that they can help us get up when we're on the ground. I've said this before. We need people to sympathize with us, but we also need people to tell us to shut up and get up. 
as a firstborn. I need someone to sympathize. Oh, Pastor, you okay? Oh, poor baby. I need it. I don't care. I'm firstborn. That's how I'm made. But at the same time, I need someone to be like, hey, I know that stinks what you went through, but you need to get up, man. We need a Peter to extend his hand and help us up. We need it. We need, we need help. We need, we need people in our life. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not the most inspirational person when I'm on the ground. Like, I'm not the most inspirational person when life is, like, trashing me. When, when, when life is hard and I'm stressed out, I'm not the most inspirational person. You know my wife? She's really good at this. My wife is really good at, like, letting me have my moment of sulking. But my wife, man, she's like, stop. Like, I get it. I know it hurts. I know that happened. I but she's like, just deal with it. First, I'm offended, but then, but then I'm like, thank you. I need people in my life. Shameless plugs, small groups. I know Janice, that was one of her points last week, so I'm just copying her. <laughs> Matt, you need to be in community with the right people. Notice, I need the right people surrounding me. Because some of y'all, your circle of friends are people that just coddle you. They, 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 they're, they're, they, they don't mean to. I hope they don't mean to, but they're just like putting poison in you. They're like, yeah, you should be mad at her. You should be mad at him. They don't deserve, yeah. They, you should hate your boss. Your boss is a jerk. You should walk off. You should. Listen, you got to have the right people. I got to have the right people to extend, to help me up. So three ingredients to getting up. Number one, I need the right people surrounding me. Number two, we're going to, verse eight. So he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Number two, and then we can have the keys come up because I'm going to land this phone quick. Number two. So number one, I need the right people surrounding me. Number two, I need audacious faith inside of me. See, because Peter could have helped this guy up all he wanted to, but it was up to this crippled man to decide he was going to get up. You can have all the right people surrounding you, but if you refuse the help, it means nothing. But the, so, so like this guy, and this is what I love, this, this guy, this crippled guy, he has audacious faith, right? Because he's on the ground. He's, he's on this, this ground, and Peter comes, and he, like, extends his hand to him, right? And uh, Scripture says, we just read it, that he jumped to his feet. Imagine that. Imagine, like, you haven't, you, you hadn't never used your legs. I don't know how old this guy is, but he's probably older than five. He's probably older than ten. So at least 10 years of not being able to use your legs and his first movement is to jump up? I wonder if he was so sick and tired of his situation, so sick and tired of being hopeless 
that he was like, man, if I had this opportunity, I'm going to jump for it. I'm going to jump. And he reached his hand up, and he jumped up. That's audacious faith, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, let's be honest. If we were this crippled man, some of us, we'd be like, he's helping us up. And, And Peter's trying to pull our hand. We're like, hey, you're going too fast. I've never used these things. What do they call them again? Oh, feet. Hey, let's go, little mermaid. You're welcome. Like some of us were like, if we were the crippled man, Peter's like trying to get us up. We're like, hey, slower, man. Right? At least that's what I would do. I'd be like, hey, man, like, calm your roll, Mr. Superman. Who do you think you are? Right? But, uh, but Scripture says that he jumped up. Like, he jumped up, man. I wonder who in this place is so fed up with this hopelessness that they're facing. Who has enough audacious faith inside of them to to understand that that you're not called to be placed where you're at, lying down on the ground, but God's called you to get up. I wonder how many people are so fed up with their hopelessness that they would just jump up at the situation, knowing that the righteous may fall seven times, but they get back up. I need audacious faith inside of me. I need audacious faith inside of me. To jump up. Come on, let me hear you say jump up. Jump up. Number three. So he jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. Three ingredients to getting up. I need the right people surrounding me. I need audacious faith inside of me. Number three, I need a new direction calling me. Here's what I want you to see is that this, this, this crippled man, when he finally stood up, Scripture says that he followed Peter and John into the temple. This is significant because this guy, as far as we know, he only stayed at the outer gate. But the moment that he was healed, he went deeper into the temple. Can I say this this morning? That God wants you to get up, not so that you can stay put, not so that you can go back to where he brought you out of, but he wants you to progress in a deeper direction of what he has for your life. Like he, he understands that, that, that we may be in seasons of hopelessness. And he wants to help you. He wants you to get up. But he doesn't want you to stay where you're at. When I fall, I get back up. But I got to be a little better. I got to be a little wiser. I need a new direction calling me. 
I was reading an article this morning, and there was a fight last night. Tyson Fury and uh, Wilder. I don't know his name. Who was that? Yeah, Ty, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, um, and so in the fourth round, uh, Tyson, uh, he got knocked down twice. And he was doing this interview after the fight. And, and uh, the, the interviewer was like, were you ever scared that, like, you weren't going to get back up? Kid you not. Like, I'm talking about this message. I'm reading this. Tyson Fury said, no, I never, I never wavered about getting back up. He said the whole goal was for me to get up, and he said this, and to keep moving forward. Come on, if culture can get it, could we get it? Come on, you were called to get up. You were not called to lie on the ground defeated. Listen, I know your situation is hard. I don't want to act like, like, like I'm insensitive to what you're going through. It's rough. I get it. I understand. But as your pastor, I'm telling you, you can't stay down. You got to get up. You got to move forward. He has more for your life than you could ever imagine. But you got to be able to get up. You have to get up. Come on, say get up. You got to get up. You got us. Come on, I'm trying to speak hope into your situation right now. Whatever you're going through, come on, in the name of Jesus, get up. Whatever you're dealing with right now, in the name of Jesus, get up. I know it's frustrating, get up. I know it's hard, get up. I know you want to give in, get up. What would it look like for the church if we all had this mindset and we all begin to practice this idea of getting up? In fact, this is not in my notes, and we could actually stand up because I'm a hen, but some of you, I see you in the back standing up. Thank you. It said that when he went into the temple, when the crippled man went into the temple, that like people were amazed. They were like, aren't you that guy that was like begging that couldn't, like aren't you that person? Could it be that the greatest witnessing that this crippled man ever did was to get up? Can we just, can we just shock the world? Can you shock your coworkers? Can you shock your spouse? Can you shock your situation? That whatever you're going through, you, you get back up and they're like, how did you do that? You just lost your job. Your kids hate you. <laughs> how are you up? I don't know. I just am. I wasn't created to stay down. I was created to get up. My prayer for you this morning, my prayer for me this morning, was that I would have this habit of getting back up.
Find community, guys. Have audacious faith inside of you. And then make a decision to not go back to what you came from. Amen, somebody?